As artists and creatives, we start with a vision, an idea in our mind. We see the finished film or the finished painting or the finished graphic in our mind's eye. We see it and then we make it happen. So we, we are highly skilled at turning vision into reality. I think we are just shy at admitting to ourselves what we really want and, and then achieving it. If you're anything like me, you started out in business just wanting to make cool stuff and get paid for it. In my case, that was videos, but for other creatives that might be websites, graphics, music, whatever. But at some point, it becomes apparent that the business side of business needs to be figured out. And in order to truly scale a creative business, there's often one big thing that gets in the way. This is episode 236 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. The world of video marketing for business is changing, and I don't want you to get left behind. G'day, I'm your host, Ben Amos, and welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you the best in the world of video marketing, content creation, business growth strategy, and storytelling along with practical tips, insight, and knowledge that you need to grow as a confident video strategist and build profitable businesses. Let's get on with the show. G'day, my friends, and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is episode 236, and it's been a little while since I brought an interview to you here on the show, but there's some great guests coming up very soon, and I'm excited. I'm not going to share more yet, but this episode is a good one. So in this episode, we're going to be exploring what it really takes to scale a creative business and importantly, what's holding many of us back. And let me tell you, there was so much shared in today's interview that I resonated with so deeply in my own business journey. So I reckon there's a thing or maybe even seven things that will resonate with you too. So my guest today is my friend and legendary video business coach, Den Lenny. Den is a coach who helps video business owners reach six and seven figures in their business. And this allows them to create the life that they want on their terms, only working with great clients who collaborate and pay them what they're worth. And I know a bunch of you guys listening or watching, you already follow Den and his podcast. And if you don't, then keep listening and make sure that you do. So in this episode, we're going to explore some of the big things that hold creative business owners back from having the business that they want. We'll also share what Den looks for when he coaches his clients to identify the real opportunities for business growth. And we'll talk about what it means to scale a creative business and what that potentially means for you and where you could be headed in your life. Yep, big stuff and super valuable stuff. So enough from me. Let's jump into the interview with Den Lenny. Den Lenny, welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Thank you, Benjamin. It's been a little while. Well, it's been a little while since we spoke on the podcast. Before we hit record here, I mentioned to you, I look, had to look it up. It was episode 105. We talked about yeah. systemization in a video business, and that was all the way back in August 2019. Wow. What has happened in the world since then? It has. It has. Thankfully, it's not been that long since I've seen you. We actually do live relatively close to each other so we do catch up for lunch now and again which is always a pleasure in fact just last week we had Simon Banks who I believe has also been on your show drop into town so we had a nice bit of lunch and catch up with Simon so yeah it's great to be back 
Absolutely. It's always great to catch up with other video strategists who listen to this podcast, particularly those from the other side of the world who decide to go on a bit of a trip to Australia. So if anyone listening to the podcast, it's just a little side note here, anyone listening to the podcast who's in Australia, look me up. Let's hook up. So anyway, let's um, let's talk about what we're here today. But what I wanted to do is bring you on because, you know, I know from knowing you quite well, that you have massive expertise and experience in, in helping video business owners scale their business. And your podcast is how to scale a video business. So, you know, that ties in nicely there. But what I wanted to do today was to just talk more generally to creative business owners who may be listening to the show about some of the things that they can look for in, in getting their business to the place that they want it to be. But before we get into that, can you just give us a quick rundown on on who you are for people that haven't yet listened to episode 105, haven't come across Den Lenny before? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, how you know, that's embarrassing that you haven't listened to episode 105 along with the other ones, but uh, we'll let that go on this occasion. So, yeah, I, I have a nearly three-decade career in video production. Um, and in 2015, I moved from the UK to Australia uh, set up a small production company in Sydney and then we decided we wanted a different lifestyle and so as a creative business owner I I, I shifted gear away from actually doing the thing to helping others make more money doing the thing and uh, and a couple of years ago we moved up to Queensland here and we now live um, in, in the Sunshine Coast very close to Ben and his family and yeah we, we now primarily help video business owners create um, reliability in their business systems, uh, consistency in their marketing and create wealth using their creative assets. And while we specifically work with video companies, pretty much everything I'm going to share would be just as applicable to any creative business. So I think you have a unique experience yourself, Dan, where you, you have run your own and set up your own creative business, both as a freelancer and, you know, having, having staff working for you. And, and then you've now kind of moved into more coaching creative business owners as well. So you kind of got that both sides of the, of the coin in your experience. So let me ask you just the big question to start us off here is what do you think is the biggest thing holding creative business owners back from scaling their business? Uh, that's a great question, Ben. And, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And um, my answer may not be popular, but the biggest problem facing business owners is the person staring at them back in the mirror. Because I think that, and, and it's, look, it's not entirely your fault. So I want to caveat that. While, whilst I believe fully that everything that happens in our life, good, bad, or otherwise, is our responsibility, I think creative business owners have an extra challenging time of embracing business. And I think that's mostly because, you know, left side, right brain, you know, that whole kind of idea of one being more creative and one being more kind of logical. I think as a creative, we're largely focused on creating ideas, fluidity, you know, refreshing ideas, making sure everything's new. Business actually needs sustained consistency it needs repetition. And I think it makes it extra hard for creative business owners because they have to disconnect the ability to think of something new when running their business so they can do things consistently. So what I mean by that is business is really a series of monotonous tasks repeated consistently 
and repetitively and measured and adjusted. Um, and so as a creative, when we go into any kind of project, we want to do something new and fresh and exciting and draw from our experience. And therefore, anything we do in business that feels like we're repeating ourselves, we, we can have a tendency to try and change it, to try and make it um, new and fresh and exciting. And I think that's what causes the biggest you know, hurdle in growing a business. Because instead of just doing one thing consistently, we try and do one thing 25 different ways and wonder why we're not getting results. Yeah, there's a saying, and I, I can't really recall who to credit it to, but boring is profitable in business, right? So yeah. I think, I think that's, that's spot on. But as a creative, and I'm speaking from my own experience here as well, and my own feelings around this is, is we didn't get into business to be boring. You know, we didn't start this to be bored um, or else maybe we would have, I don't know, gone to a business broker and bought a business that was sustainable and, you know, predictable and maybe just gone down that path. But none of us, I believe, that are in or started a creative business did it for that reason. So do you think that, you know, apart from that maybe squirrel syndrome that I'm talking about there or that idea of wanting to do things more exciting and more interesting, do you think that there's any unique problems that creative business owners have that, that are stopping them from getting the business that they want? So first of all, I, I believe that business can be very creative. I, I think the idea of thinking of every client as an individual and you have the the tools and the ability to help them achieve something really unique for them. I believe that that as a, as a business owner and as a coach and mentor, I see with the clients I work with, you know, really understanding what your client wants and giving them that is a very creative process. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say to that. The second thing that I think is unique to creative businesses, which, which makes it more challenging is, um, Creatives are, by their very nature, slightly um, radical. You know that we don't like to con sort of confine in the um, in the normalcy of 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 business in life. We always want to kind of play outside the lines, and so I think where where the obstacles come in scaling a business is perhaps sometimes spending a little too much time married to your creative process and your creative idea and not enough time truly listening to what the client actually needs and wants. And I think that, you know, there's something called the hierarchy of business needs, which I think was created by Seth Godin. And he talks about um, when you're talking to different clients, understanding where that client is. If they're a marketing manager of a corporation, they're not thinking about ROI or profit or even necessarily potentially creativity too much. They want to know in order of priority, are you going to deliver on time? Are you going to deliver within budget? Is the idea going to be on brief? And is the process going to be easy and fun? I think that a lot of corporates, and I'm painting at the very broad brushstroke here, yeah. are a little scared of creativity in case it goes too far the wrong way. And so the businesses that I see succeed significantly, and I'm talking high six and seven figures in a creative process, 
they they add a lot of energy to the creative process, but they but they very much are listening to and are tuning into the marketing manager who's hiring them to understand what they really need and want, and not pushing too hard down the line of well if we just did this and did that it would be amazing, because I think in 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 a lot of cases the broader market doesn't really care too much for the fine detail. They just want to know, are you a safe pair of hands? Are you going to deliver on time? And I think within that, you can still be hugely creative and and enjoy the process. You know, I, I love the human side of creativity, working with cool people, translating an idea from inception into delivery, and, and hopefully, you know, giving the client way more than they ever imagined. Yeah, I really, I really like the way you've brought that up there, Dan, because I think... The way that I see it as well and that you mentioned there is, yes, boring is profitable. So, yes, you know, delivering what a client needs, really listening to what they need, chances are you're going to be, A, more profitable in a project. You're going to, you know, be build stronger relationships with clients because they know that you deliver, right? You deliver what they, what they want. But I also love that you mentioned that there's still opportunity to be creative, you know, because that's ultimately what we wanted to do. But it's about having a system for that creativity so that you've got clear sign off, you've got clear understanding from the clients about why you're doing what you're doing. So there's none of that surprises, which is scary for a lot of business owners. Um, I'm recalling a podcast interview with Guy Bauer from Umalt, who highly creative video studio um, over in the States. And uh, I can't remember the podcast episode. I'll try and look it up. It was uh, episode 189 of the podcast so you can go and check that out if, if you like. But he talked about the way that they've been able to really systemize the creative process to deliver beautiful creative projects profitably that the clients love and really ticks all the boxes. So I think that's exactly what you're, you're talking about, about there. Yeah, I think also what I'd add to that is, you know, I, I've got a client in the US, Pat, and, and when Pat and I started working together a couple of years ago, he was still very heavily involved in the hands-on. He's got an amazing production business in, in, in Boston. And Pat was um, still very involved in the editing and still involved in production. And he said, oh, you know, I'm not sure um, that I can can do this. You know, I don't know if I want to run the business. I don't, I don't want to lose touch with the creative process. And I encouraged him over time. It's funny, quite funny, actually, because two months into the program, he wanted to quit. He's like, oh, I think I've got enough. And I'm like, let's have a chat. And two years later, he's still here. And, he, and we, we, we laughed about that that episode, that um, that situation recently, is that he, he had this idea that the creativity he experienced was um, it, because of the creative process, because of the filming and the editing. But, but in truth, he started to love the business process. And as he scaled his business and put in some systems and he started hiring people, he started easing off the edits and he went from just like being involved to, I'll just do a quick check. And I said, like, just, just get off that. Like, put a system in place, trust your team. And now he doesn't touch the editing. And he said to me just recently, he said, you know, I've, I've really started to enjoy the creativity of business. And I never thought I would. I thought that by not doing the actual thing, um, be that in his case it was editing but it could be illustration it could be graphics he he felt like he would lose that creativity and the opposite happened he found a love for business a love for the creativity of of business and 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 i honestly believe and i, and I know you are on the same trajectory creating a business is the most exciting project you'll ever work on because it's unpredictable 
you never know which way it's going to turn and yet you have entirely 100% control of the direction you take it in. And, and what I've learned over the last few years with all the disruption we've had is that's never been more important to me personally is to, to run my own show. Um, you know, we both live in an absolutely stunning part of the world. You know, we have lunch fairly regularly. It's never a, never a rush. You know, we don't have to necessarily be anywhere at any given time. We've created both wonderful businesses that facilitate us spending time with our families, enjoying life. I know you love scuba diving. You love taking the kids to the beach. You had a great adventure in a, carav- a camper van just a few months ago. And that that really resonates with me because we, we are, we're not running a lifestyle business. We're running a business that supports our lifestyle. And I think that's a very big distinction. So I believe that the process of creating that is, is highly creative and extremely rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more myself. And that, that journey that you described there that, that Pat experienced is exactly my own experience as well. So as I've got further into business over the nearly 13 years I've been running this business, it's, it's, running the business it's it's growing the business that has been become my passion so much much more than the creative uh, output that i originally started doing so absolutely resonates with me well i think also you know we've both been involved in business masterminds independently and both run our own business masterminds and and that to me is one of the most creative areas is working with other business owners and, and helping them unlock that process for themselves is the most rewarding thing beyond any financial compensation that you exchange for that value. It's, it's the fact that you see people making breakthroughs. And I think being part of business masterminds, and you talked about this in an episode recently, the power of a mastermind, um, it's, 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 it's exponential. The return on investment is exponential because yes, you get great value from the process that's described, but it's all the stuff in between the lines that you don't realize that, that start to get filled out during these, these um, processes that opens up a, a deeper sense of connection with creativity. And, and creativity doesn't need to mean just being like, you know, painting a picture on a paper. But you know, what's interesting, Ben, is that I've got a very, I've got an amazing setup here that I love working in every day. But I also have a lot of great photography gear. And so I have this amazing business that, that I love working in. But I also have more time now to go and take photographs for fun or print them out in my nice Canon P1000 printer there and make some beautiful prints. Uh, like the one, that, well, if you're watching this video, there's a print behind me on the wall there. And I frame them up and I, I'm actually, weirdly, I'm spending more time doing the passion thing now than ever before. But my business isn't a photography business. My business is a business helping video production companies to scale and have all the things they want in life. And that allows me time and space and the resources to have a full camera full of what, five or six camera bodies, five or six lenses, all the gear I could possibly ever want. It's all the best stuff. And I go out and I take photographs and I print them out and I have a lot of fun doing that. And so I think that, you know, that is where you want your business to work for you. You don't want to work for your business. Yeah, I love that. Great perspective on things. I'm interested for your perspective, though, as a coach working with creative business owners over the many years that you've been doing this, you know, what are the first things that you're kind of looking for? If you're diagnosing where that current creative business is at and how to figure out where the opportunity is to really scale and grow that business, what are you looking for? 
So I, I start in a very unusual place. I ask the client to get very deep on what they want and I get them to create a vision board. And actually, I just did a, did a video on this on YouTube recently about, you know, my vision board and how they've become reality in a short space of time. So I, I ask, and this is a really great process for any creative, it's like literally get pages or a PDF document and literally drop images of things that inspire you um, about life, love, relationships, friendships, you know, desires for cars, houses, holidays, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, and put it on a piece of paper and print it out and literally stick it up in your eyeline. And that is the first process we get everyone to do. It's like, what does success look like to you? Because I love the um, the fable of the Mexican fisherman. I'm sure your listeners and viewers know that story, but in, 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 in a nutshell- Fill us in, Can, yeah, give us yeah, a Yeah, so the Mexican fisherman story is, is, is it's, I believe it's an American, um, is visiting Mexico and he's a, he's a city banker and he comes across this, this guy sitting in a fishing boat. Um, and he, he's just come back from his catch and he's caught a few fish. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, I catch these fish and I take some home and I sell some to the restaurant. Then me and my friends sit around all afternoon and we kind of play cards and, and have a few drinks. And that's my life. And I do it every day. And this um, business guy was like, well, you know what? If you like bought five, got, went to the bank and got a loan and bought five or 10 boats, you could um, be out with 10 of these guys, give everyone a job and, and fish every day. And you could like turn this into a great business. You could start to do wholesale. You could ship it all over the country. And he said, and then you could sell that and you could cash out and you could make millions. And he said to the, um, to the guy, well, when, what, then what would I do? And the, the investor said, well, you could do whatever you wanted. What would you do? He said, well, I'd probably go out in my fishing boat every day, catch a few fish, enough for me and the family, enough for my fr friends, and I sit around the pub all afternoon um, drinking and, and playing cards. He's like, why would I want to go to all that hassle of like doing all that work? So I think what I love about that is, although it's a simplified example, it's true. Like, what do you really want out of life? Like, what is important to you? To me, I live 400 meters to the beach. I don't work crazy hours. I spend a lot of time with my wife and my dogs. I go to the gym three times a week. I get to catch up with friends like yourself for lunch. We've got a bunch of people on the coast here who we connect with and hang out with in the entrepreneurial space. And I, and I get to go to the garden center. I, I just started getting into bonsai. I love my photography. And I love working with my clients. And so I got very clear on what success looked like to me. And, you know, I drive a nice car. I get to travel in, in, in comfort when I, when I fly anywhere. I, I can go and stay in nice hotels. We can do nice things. So that was success to me. So what I get my clients to do is get really clear on what success looks like to them. And then the next step is we do an audit of their current business. Where does the money come from? Who are the clients you love to work with? Where is the biggest profit opportunity in your business? And then you, you're left with a gap between the audit, which is the reality of where you are right now, and the goal, which is successful life on your terms. And in the middle is a gap. And so what we have to do is then fill that gap with a strategic plan that will take you through steps of working out, well, you know, where are your most profitable clients? They generally are the ones that treat you the best and that you enjoy working with the most. A lot of creative businesses are not good at saying no to the, let's be honest, the crappy clients who are not 
necessarily respecting your time and paying you what you're worth. And so if you cull the bottom 10% of your clients and, and focus more on the clients that you really like working with, and then you go through the discipline of channeling your energy into one target, one offer, one market, you can make a million bucks. Um, and then you can have your version of the Mexican fisherman story come to life. And you, you, people are often surprised how how little money you have to turn over if you're profitable to have a really comfortable life. And for me, quality of life and wealth is not just financial, but it's time, money, and freedom. Have I got the time to enjoy the things that I love? Have I got the money to be able to fund it? And, the, and am I truly free? Because a lot of business owners are financially very well off, but have no time because they're always working and, and they're panicking about the business falling over. For me personally, I think you've got to get the balance right. And and that balance yeah. is is totally different to each individual. But I but I believe that is my kind of simplified process. Figure out what it is you want and write it down and be very, very specific. Uh, and, and release some of those childhood, perhaps limiting beliefs on what you feel you're worth. Get very clear on where you are in your business now and then work out a strategic plan to execute that. And then probably realistically have some accountability um, it, it's quite hard to do this on your own I know you're in a mastermind I'm in a mastermind I think you always need you know a players need a coach a players need someone to turn to to ask and and I also love being in a room where I'm like the not the smartest guy in the room I like being in a room where everyone's doing way better than me because that helps me lift my game and I think that's where every creative should be in a room somewhere where they're, they're, they're having their game lifted. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of reverse engineering the business that you want it to be. And I think you brought it up really nicely there, Den, the idea that it, even though we titled this episode around scaling a creative business, what does, what does that end game of scaling mean? Right? Because I, you've painted a picture there of if you're not clear on what, this, the business needs to look like for you to have the life that you want it to be, then you might think that in order to be successful in business, you need to scale, right? You need to continue to grow, continue to, you know, reach high, high new people and reach higher, um, you know, sales goals and so on. But then if you're not clear on where you're going, how will you ever know whether you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, right? So, yeah. and for some people, if they, they might actually have a realisation if they – do this vision board exercise or are really clear on what they want from life that they don't want to own a, you know, a multinational company on the stock exchange with thousands of employees, you know, like that's not scale to them. So I, I really love that. And I, I would dare say that many creatives probably don't want that. They probably don't want that. Big yeah. So you want fulfillment, fulfillment yeah. and joy and satisfaction and to be appreciated for the work that they do. And I, and I think that that you can still do that and make a very, very good living. I'm talking, you know, the kind of salaries that doctors and lawyers make. I mean, that is absolutely possible. I was watching a video this morning, um, albeit about a junior doctor. It was a junior doctor on YouTube who was comparing their income as a year three graduate um, in the NHS in London and versus that in Australia. And, and in a nutshell, they were earning about 25 bucks an hour um, in the UK. And in Australia, it was nearly like 45 bucks an hour. 
yeah. for less hours. Um, and I was like, oh, geez, I think she was she was earning about fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, right. um, as as a junior doctor in the UK, and I was like, that's that's an interesting number, because they've trained at medical school for seven years, and three years into the career, they're earning fifty thousand dollars a year. I thought that was fascinating, and I, I think as an entrepreneur, if you help people solve problems, uh, and and particularly create creating creativity, you you I, I believe firmly you can charge a premium price for your offer and your service that delivers exceptional value to your clients and they're happy to pay it and that then funds your ability to have the life you want and for many many years i grew up in a kind of pretty working class family we didn't have a ton of money so i think my background was one of who do you think you are with your fancy ideas of owning nice cars and doing nice things and and you know traveling business class or doing whatever but i but i've worked on that psychology of i am i am worth it i that is that is my happy place i am very specific i love to fly when i do long haul in business class and i made a pledge in 2013 i put it on my vision board and i haven't flown in anything but that class of travel since and 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 that was a real kind of goal of mine and i got that from a very wealthy friend of mine who hired us back in 2010 to do a workshop in dublin and he said then you have to get very very specific about what you want from life and i'm like well you know i'd like to travel and 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 he's like what class of travel i'm like well um, premium economy he's like why don't you want business class because I because I didn't think I thought it was a waste of money because I grew up in a, an environment where you didn't waste money because there wasn't a lot of money around, and so I think that's a big driving factor, and I think that that's something that maybe resonates with some creatives listening to this show is that we don't deserve to, to a lot of money for what we do, rather than looking at the value that we bring and pricing it appropriately. And why is it some artists, I have an artist around the corner from me, a friend of mine, uh, Michael Cook, who's a very big, well-known artist around the world. And his pieces sell for tens of thousands of dollars. You know, why is it his photograph sells for tens of thousands of dollars, whereas someone maybe listening to the show is selling a piece of work for a hundred dollars. And it's the same technology to take the photograph, just a different interpretation. And so I think that we often don't put enough value on ourselves as creatives, which then means we we don't want to charge too much for our services because we think, oh well, that would seem expensive. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to feel like I'm ripping anybody off. I've heard this many, many times in the thousands of conversations I've had with creatives. You know, I don't want to I don't want to charge too much. I don't want to seem like I'm ripping anybody off. And I think that's a very interesting psychology and has more to do with that person looking at you back in the mirror than anything else. Because if you provide a valuable service that, that helps solve a problem, then as a business owner, you are morally obliged to make the maximum profit for the business with the least amount of effort. Because if you had shareholders, that's what they'd expect you to do. And I think that's an area that can often grate a little bit with creatives, this idea of money and art and our commerce and art and how it kind of feels like it muddies the waters. But I, I don't believe it does. I believe that if you're really passionate about what you do and you genuinely believe you offer a great product or service, then you should be charging as much as you can for that. Yeah, I think you've touched on a really a really important block or um, thing that holds so many people back in creative businesses. And this is obviously my assumption and interpretation and my own experience, right? But I think in other in other industries, you know, in for example, you know, construction and trade and 
um, you know, even, even retail and, and selling products, you know, it's, it tends to be easier to price what the market accepts, right? And obviously that can vary very widely based on the industry that you're working in. But um, I think when it comes to creative business in particular, you really can't be basing what you do on time and materials, you know, because in many cases, materials are negligible. It's mostly time, but even more than time, it's the creativity. It's the, mm. it's whatever that certain thing is that you bring as a creative to the work that you do or that your team brings as creatives to the work that they do. And, you know, at the end of the day, as you touched on before, what that also needs to align to is what's the value that that allows for the end client, right? What does that do for their business? What does that do for their life? And if we're trying to base what we charge on time and materials, it doesn't factor in any of that stuff, which is really so much more aligned to the businesses that we're growing here. I agree. And I think you're absolutely right. There is, there is definitely a challenge in the, you know, if you hire a lawyer, you know, lawyers are going to be X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars an hour and they bill for 15 minute increments. I think creativity, it, you know, has as much value. It just doesn't solve as painful a problem. You know, if you're getting a lawyer involved, usually there's something pretty significant going on and therefore the bigger the problem, the bigger the pain, the more you'll pay. But I do think that you can reframe that. I think it, it comes down to self-worth and and channeling that in a way. And I, I have a client of both of ours, actually, Caleb, who uh, is very good at asking a client to describe the problem they're trying to solve. And he'll dig deeper into that and say, so so if you sell five of these at this much money, you're going to make this much money and you only want to spend this much money on a video. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing that makes any sense. Would you agree? I mean, this sounds much more like a $20,000 problem than a $5,000 problem. So would that make sense to do this properly and find more money? And and then people come back and go, oh yeah, thanks for that. I didn't hadn't re- I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, and so I think that you, and, and that just comes with confidence and practice and experience. Um, having those kind of conversations with clients where you assume the position of alpha in the conversation, not in an alpha male sense, but as in a an authority sense. If you are someone who has a creative business that has been in business a while. You've more than done your 10,000 hours. You are established. You have experienced. You have a happy set of clients underneath your belt. And in your between your ears, you have this entirely, almost infinite database of experiences, creative ideas, and mechanisms to turn this problem into a solution. You, you can't just charge time and hours for that. You've got to be looking at the skill set to do it. I, think, I love the analogy. I think it was... Um, um, it's a dental analogy. I think it's something along the lines of, and I'm going to paraphrase, but um, you get um, a tooth extracted and it costs you $800 and it takes under five minutes. And then you go, wow, $800 for five minutes work. And the dentist turns around and says, well, I can take longer if you want. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to apply the same thing to a creative process. We have to start valuing ourselves. And that is our responsibility as creators. We've got to be careful not to go down the path of, you know, poor us, poor creators. We, you know, we're only creative. We don't want to charge too much. We have to kind of um, take control of that. 
and decide if what we're offering is of true value. And if we believe that, then when you announce your price for, for a piece of work, you announce the price and then you stop and you say nothing. And, you, and the first person to speak will, will, will lose the, the kind of deal as it were, you know. And so whenever you announce a price, like tell them your price and say nothing. And then let them respond. And, and even if you sit there for a minute, just sit there for a minute. Um, so these are these are skills I believe in in kind of sales and marketing that, that you can apply to to creativity um, if you want to make some money and look you know if you're in a creative business then by default the word business means you're not doing it for free so why not go to work and make as much money as you possibly can in a short pace of time as possible to allow you time and space to go and do some fun stuff yeah absolutely I think um there's this, there's this idea in business as you kind of grow and, you know, as I've experienced it myself is that, you know, at each, each new stage of business, there's, there's new challenges that come up. You know, you mentioned there that idea of getting better at sales. You know, I think, you know, when we start in business, we're focused on our craft. You know, I think it's um, in Michael Gerber's E-Myth, he talks about the technician stage of the business, you know, when you're focused on delivering the thing and getting better at your craft and then there's that manager stage and then the entrepreneurial stage i think those are the three things that he talked about but you know i i i'm really fond of this idea of in business next level next devil you know so it's the idea that yeah. as you scale a business it's different things that are going to be thrown at you as a challenge and you need to develop in different ways as a business owner so how do you see that that concept of next level, next devil playing out as you've kind of seen and coached businesses to to continue to scale to hopefully where they want to be? I think it always comes back to that vision board. And you what will happen is you do a vision board and you'll achieve it in less time than you think. And then you'll do another one. And so whatever, whatever we think our goals are, we get there and we're like, oh, actually, kind of maybe maybe I've got a different goal now. Um, I think the key here is to to audit, to continually audit yourself and be checking in on. I've reached or achieved this goal in my business. How does it feel? Sit in it for a while. So whenever we do a quarterly planning review, we, we spend time. I always say to my members, you know, go and sit in a park or sit by the beach Take, take yourself away from the office and, and bring a pad and paper and write down your accomplishments of the last 90 days and write down your lessons learned. And then from there, let's look at the strategic issues and work out what the next step needs to be for your, for your goal. For me, it's, it's all about um, sitting in, in the moment and being present and, and appreciating what you've achieved and, and working out what the next move is for you. So for me this year, it was about health and fitness. I got to a point where we bought this house on the coast, we moved in and I and business was going great. And I was like, okay, now I'm gonna focus on my health and fitness as an absolute priority. I've never done that before. And then I've just joined a new mastermind and I'm really excited about that because it's, it's stretching me again. Um, I love reading, I, I love learning, I, I love watching cool things. I, I have this kind of thirst for knowledge and, and I love taking experience and knowledge from other industries and, and putting it through a video lens and thinking, how can we apply this to a video business or any creative business? I think, you know, one of the, the greatest resources we have as business owners and entrepreneurs is the fact that everything's been done before. 
there's, there's no secrets to how to create wealth in a creative business. You just look at an alter another business and go, well, which bits can I take from that? Um, you know, the greatest entrepreneurs in the world still have 24 hours in a day and still have to do all the things we have to do. They're not, they're not superhuman, but what they do differently is focus. And so I think that the biggest challenge that faces every single creative business owner listening to this, the show or watching the show is you're not where you want to be. If, rather, if you're not where you want to be, I guarantee it's because of focus or lack of focus in one area. And the thing that I've learned is one market, one offer, one target, and all focus on that. Try not to have too many products, like have one key product that you sell to one key market and just go deep. And I think with that, you'll, you'll find yourself with all of the clients you can ever want, having a great time with them, having clients that become lifelong friends. And, and to me, as someone who's creative, that, that's what matters to me. I mean, I, I'm genuinely friends with all my clients, um, even though we have a commercial arrangement. Um, there are people that I really care about. And that's the really creative thing, you know, to actually be invested in people's outcomes and then see those outcomes become reality. It's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, you kind of remind me of that, that idea of, I think it was Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. And I think as creatives, we can, when we're head down and when we're focused on, on delivery, when we're focused on the creative output of our, of our business, we're not taking that time to, to sit back and reflect and look at the vision and, and see we, where we want this thing to go and explore other ways to get there, you know, be open to new ideas, join masterminds, all of that stuff you've been talking about today, because that's where, that's where we can, we can make changes, right. And, and really scale the business to whatever that scale looks like for us. So I really, I really like the kind of the idea of, I think you said there that, you know, the, it, it comes down to focus. We're not really focused on what needs to happen where it tend to be bogged down in the day to day. Right? And I, I, I've felt and, that. And, and I've you know, done the, that. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, as artists and creatives, we start with a vision, an idea in our mind. We see the finished film or the finished painting or the finished graphic in our mind's eye. Yeah. We see it and then we make it happen. So we, we are highly skilled at turning vision into reality. I think we are just shy at admitting to ourselves what we really want and and then achieving it. I, th I think there's some degree of um, self-sabotage that goes on in, yeah. in, in achieving success because... If we get successful, maybe people look at us funny. Maybe we'll, maybe people will judge us how perhaps we've judged others in the past about success. And, you know, there's that whole thing where cartoons, you know, the baddie's always dressed and uh, the person with the money is always the baddie. It's the bloated businessman or the robber with money on his back. And like somehow if you've got lots of money, you must have done something bad to get it. And I think certainly... Um, when I grew up, you know, my, my parents didn't have a lot of money and there was definitely a sense of, um, oh, you know, those folk across the road, they've got a bit of money, but they're all right, really. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't, I didn't grow up in an environment where money and abundance and success was, was normalized. 
it was like they're rich they 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 must they, they must have a special skill or maybe they've done something bad to get the money you know jokes about oh yeah the guy with the nice car he's probably a drug dealer you know it's just like kind of throwaway comments that really actually influence our maturing as we grow up and grow older to to how we attack business um because there's there's an infinite supply of cash out in the marketplace. Money flows. There's so much money in the world, there's never been more opportunity. If you're not making enough of it, it's because you're probably self-sabotaging somewhere. You're probably stopping yourself from achieving your true greatness. Um, and and you know what? It's, it's okay to earn a lot of money doing what you do if you allow yourself. Yeah. I think that's a good wake-up call for, for a lot of people listening we talked about the the idea of you know, achieving what you want to achieve in business and and having that life that you've got on your vision board and you know I think in in many creative businesses and I guess where I want to kind of end this conversation today is around the idea of you know what does the end game look like for a creative business mm. you start a business often as a freelancer as a technician and then maybe you scale maybe you bring on some staff you, you know, get some systems in place. Maybe that allows you to step back and have a bit more freedom. But what's the end game? Um, you know, what's the exit plan that you see for creative businesses? So I think we always go back to the vision, which is what, what do you want the exit plan to be? I, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't seen a great deal of creative businesses exit and be bought for a lot of money. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I'm going to take a guess that a lot of creative businesses aren't that saleable because th there's too much reliance on the key person in the company. Um, they're not often systemized and the creative business owner has a somewhat inflated idea of what it's worth compared to what someone's willing to pay. Um, so, so I believe uh, that a really cool strategy is to have your creative business be a cash machine where you can produce high quality work at a high rate and bring a lot of cash in without needing to have to kind of outlay a lot of cash. It's not like you're buying a ton of materials and, and having to kind of build something and prototype and have all this kind of R&D cost. So I think that one way is to, to turn it into a really great cash machine, but then take that cash and deploy it into other assets. And if you want a great book to read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great one, Robert Kiyosaki. Another one is The Road Less Stupid, Keith J. Cunningham, which talks about building assets, revenue generating assets. So my own strategy is to generate income from the business that I run with in the coaching space um, and some of the services we offer there, and then to invest that in, in residential properties around Australia and have a portfolio of properties that I, that I rent out and we're, we're buying a uh, a, a nice RV through the business, which is going to become an asset. We'll rent that out. So it's it's a combination of those books and also the four hour work week, which is you can have all the lifestyle of a multimillionaire without having to buy everything and be a multimillionaire. You know, so there's there's all sorts of services now. If you buy a property, you can rent it out as an Airbnb or rent it out long term. Or you know, Camplify here in Australia is the RV company we're going to use to buy the RV, we'll use it for work and then we'll rent it out when we're not using it. So we can have access to all of these toys and, and resources that that work for us, which means that if I choose to not want to go to work that day, I can take a day off and, 
and so be it. And for me, like my wife and I went to get our hair cut on um, Friday up in Noosa and we just ended up spending the whole day out and it was pouring rain. We had some lunch somewhere and it's what started as kind of getting our hair cut became a whole day off. And we were like, how great is this? It's Friday. And we just decided and prompt you to take the day off. And to me, that is total freedom. I took Friday off. I took Saturday and Sunday off completely. And I had half of Monday off. So I had a three and a half day weekend. And that's not uncommon for me to do that. And, and I still have a great business and work with great clients and still create great content. But for me personally, my vision of success is the ability to not go to work if I don't want to. And that, that, um, that's really key to me. That's my own version. So what I'd encourage anyone to do is, is think about what your own version of success is. And, and if you're interested, you can look at my YouTube channel at Den Lenny um, and, and you'll see a video I made about my own journey with um, vision boards and just how, how eerily accurate they are when, when you put that on a vision board. And actually, there's one particular clip in that video, which you, I, I wouldn't tell too much about, but it, we, had, we had a house on our vision board. And we ended up going to see that very house viewing home houses a few uh, last year. And I had the vision board with me because I realized it was the same one. And, and I've, I've got a picture of the vision board and standing in the house. And like, I just took that house as a random off the internet. So the, the, the universe works in very mysterious ways when you get super focused in. So think of your, think of your life as, as a telephoto lens. Where do you want to go? Focus on that and, and use it as a set of blinkers. Don't let anything distract you from getting to that destination. And I think then you can have whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really important, a really important point. And, you know, if, if you haven't got a clear from today's episode around that importance of having that vision and really knowing where you want to go in your business and why you're in this in the first place, then, then that's your call to action for this episode is, is go and take that time. You know, maybe that's taking out half a day or, or, you know, buying a cup of coffee and finding a quiet spot in a park somewhere and, and getting clear on that vision, creating that vision board. And I think that's, that's the key to, to scaling a business in the way that, that makes sense for you. So I really appreciate, really appreciate that kind of clarity and guidance there. And always, always love when you do a bit of coaching, whether that's coaching me or coaching via your podcast or your YouTube channel. So where can people find out more if they like what they heard today and, and want to get a bit more into Den's world. Yeah. I mean, look, just look, look me up on YouTube, Den Lenny, D-E-N-L-E-N-N-I-E. Uh, the website's the same name. Um, I, I'm really building that YouTube channel this year and we're starting out. We've got 50, 60, 60 sort of, you know, views at the minute. It's really small. Um, I'm hoping that'll grow, but actually it doesn't matter because we're not really looking for thousands of people. I'm looking for, you know, I've got 49 places in my mastermind and we've got 30 already. So there's 19 spots available and um, they will fill up. Um, that's all I need to, to do everything I want to do in my life. So um, it's like the more clear you get on what you want and what you need to fulfill that, the more fun you'll have. And actually the more creative you'll end up becoming. Yeah. Awesome. So go and do that. We'll have links to Den's YouTube channel on the show notes for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash 236. 236. And uh, when you do go to Den's YouTube channel, hit that little filter button in the top right and have a look at the oldest videos. Good for a laugh. I didn't tell you, Den, but I did that on your channel the other day because yeah, you've got videos going way back to way like back. reviewing some 
some old camera gear and stuff way, like that back when you were in the yeah. UK. It 2000, is hilarious. 2000 and, I think it was 2004, 2005. Yeah, I helped, you had a lot less grain uh, back then. Yeah, set up a YouTube channel. So, uh, yeah, no, I've been there a little while. And, and again, I'll tell you, one last thing I'll leave you with. I've dipped in and out of it. And the client joined my program recently and he said, oh, I found you on YouTube, but you weren't doing anything anymore on YouTube. So I thought you'd given up. And then I found your podcast. So, you know, a number of times over the last few years, people have said to me, oh, you used to do YouTube videos. You should do YouTube videos. And I had this blank, I don't know why, wasn't doing them. I think it's because I felt I had to produce them. And now I make them on my iPhone. And I actually even have a video on my channel going, why I'm not using all this fancy gear to make my YouTube videos. And there's some really interesting comments under that video about people saying, actually, we like the fact it's unedited and raw. So, you know, I, I think the thing I'll leave you with is that just be yourself in whatever capacity you can do that because, you know, everyone else is taken. But, but, but more than that, lean into being yourself because... People will resonate with you because of who you are, yeah. not what you say you can do. And I think that's been a huge lesson for me this year is just, just lean into who you are. Don't try and be something you're not and just share your version of the world that, that you see and that will attract people. And those people, some of those people will become clients. And before you know it, you're, you know, having a, having a great life and you, you're doing everything you ever wanted to do and, and you are successful. Love it, Dan. Back to where we started with this episode, that it's often that person in the mirror that's holding you back. Get out of your own way, be yourself, and let your business grow. So, Dan, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Benjamin. So there you go, guys. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show there, we're also starting to release these episodes as full videos over on YouTube. So if you're listening and you haven't seen what's going on over on my YouTube channel, then go to engagevideomarketing.com slash YouTube and be sure to hit subscribe there as well. And I would love to hear from you. What value, what insights, what aha moments did you take away from what Den shared with us today? So reach out to me anytime on any social media channel or just email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and we'll have a chat. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode, I'd love a rating and a review. So if you can take a couple of moments to do that, that would be awesome as well. And that's it from me from this episode. I'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. See you then.